Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, it's almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, in my little personal mobile studio, which is my 2006 Jetta Diesel TDI. As I weave in and out of traffic and spend my morning drive with my friends, that would be you. And uh, I don't know where or when you listen to my show. People listen to it the next day in their morning drive. People miss listen to it at work. People listen to it in the evening while they work out. I don't know where you listen, but wherever you do, I'm happy to share that time with you. Uh, um, I always start out the show saying one man's view, and that's another way of saying one man's opinion. Please always remember that. It is very important to me that my audience does not at any time believe that I am dictated to you the way you should think, act, and be. Um, my show is about the things that I've learned personally, the things that I've done in my life to improve my lifestyle and to improve my survivability, uh, be it because of a personal trauma or a worldwide shit hit the fan event from one end to the other I've tried to do the things that make the most sense for me I share that information with my audience and be it practical down to earth gardening practical down to earth survival um, economic issues political issues you know constitutional issues whatever it is it's always up to you to then take it and do what you like with it the only thing I ever ask and challenge people to do is whatever you believe know why you believe it back it up with some facts back it up with some reality Never just believe what the TV or the radio or the Internet tell you without chewing your own fact-checking and testing it against your own moral compass. All right, um, let's go ahead and knock out some house cleaning because it's going to be a good show. I, I did a show on the bug-out bag way back in the beginning. It might have been the you know in the first 12 shows. And I don't think I've actually done a show on the bug-out bag, on the basics of a bug-out bag since then. And with all the new people coming in, it's one of the biggest things that you can do, biggest steps you can take. This show won't be that much different than that one, other than uh, maybe I've gotten a little bit better at my delivery over time, and I'm sure the audio will be better, because that was in the days of uh, of the little uh, handheld sitting in my lap with no microphone or anything and all the background noise. So it's time to do that anyway. Uh, before I do, let's knock out some house cleaning again. Dirt Time 09, it's getting to a point where I'm not even going to be mentioning that much anymore, because if you do not sign up soon, you are not going to be able to sign up. Uh, That event is almost full. Uh, San Bernardino, California, the week of August 25th, I believe. It's the last week in August before the kids go back to school. Uh, It is a week-long event. It is uh, an opportunity to uh, to co-mingle with about 14 other uh, survival experts and about 100 like-minded individuals that will be there to learn everything from bow crafting to knife making uh, to foraging skills to survival gardening and permaculture, which is what I'll be talking about. Uh, So I look forward to seeing you out there if you get a chance to come. Uh, Region 5's big bug out, camp out, get together, barbecue throwdown down near Goldthwaite week uh, weekend of Memorial Day uh, weekend. Come on down, have fun, camp out, hang out. Everybody is welcome, whether you're part of Region 5 or not. Details in today's show notes. If you think the Survival Podcast gives you more than 25 cents of value per episode, please consider joining the Member Support Brigade and uh, supporting the show that way and get content available only to members. And uh, Please, you know, check out our sponsor 
sponsored advertisers. Uh, the, we're starting to bring in some uh, advertising uh, people, and they all go through my moderator's review, and they are available in the right-hand margin of the website. You'll see their banners, and you'll notice that their banners will rotate, and each week a new advertiser uh, will move to the top. Emergency Essentials is there right now. They were the first people that really stepped up and agreed to uh, advertise with us long-term. Uh, so please uh, give them some business. They have some really cool stuff there. They were unanimously approved by the advertisers. And uh, we have another advertiser that will probably be added uh, tomorrow or the next day uh, as soon as we finish up the last little bit. And uh, a lot of you don't know who they are when they show up, and they're good people, and I'm glad to have them with us. But I won't say who they are until we're ready to officially launch with their banner. Okay, that knocks out enough house cleaning for today. If I miss something, I miss something. Let's rock on. Uh, the bug-out bag. Let's start out with what a bug-out bag is and what it is not. What is it for and what isn't it for? I think there's a misconception in some of the, especially the people that are real tactical rascals, I call them, you know, the guys that, like, everything to them is about beans, bullets, and band-aids, man. It's about guns and tactical gear and military gear. And and some of those guys, not all of them, in fact, most of them don't, because most of them that are that, that big into this stuff have done their homework and learned. But those guys, when they first get started, right, when, when, when it's really about the cool factor that maybe draws them into survival thinking, often think of this bug-out bag as, like, a battle pack. This is what you're going to run off and fight your Red Dawn War with. Well, folks, the first thing you got to understand about that is it's not a very realistic picture. And uh, I, I pray to God that, that our men in this country, and, and probably our women if it ever came to it, don't need to stand up and ever fight a, a war like that. But if you do, a bug out bag isn't going to let you fight the whole war because it's going to last more than three days and, and, and God hope that we would be standing alongside our soldiers and across from them. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what a bug out bag is really about. Nothing at all. A bug out bag is designed to support you and the people that are with you and hopefully they have their own so you're not carrying some massive bag with no assistance for a 72 hour period. That is what it is for and its purpose is to get you from one point to another safely and comfortably as possible. It's so that if you're out in the middle of nowhere and your vehicle breaks down and you have to leave your vehicle and go on foot because for some reason you can't get anybody there by cell phone to come pick you up, um, you have a means to provide for yourself for up to three days. It's for if someone shows up at your house and says, all right, get out. He said, I want to leave my house. I say, it's not safe in your house anymore. Mandatory evacuation. You have five minutes to procure whatever you can and get out of here now. That you have a means to provide for yourself for three days if you're living the life of a refugee. It's designed simply, as I can put it, to get you from a point of danger to a point of safety and have all the things you need to last at least 72 hours. And the nice thing about a bug out bag is as long as you add some more food, it's really easy to turn it from a three-day pack into a four-day pack or even a five-day pack. That's up to you how much you want to add based on how much other stuff you carry and how big a bag you have and things like that. So that's what it is, and that's important to understand that if you don't don't understand that, you're not going to build the thing the right way because you're going to be thinking about being G.I. Joe or G.I. Jane, and that is not what we're doing here. All right. If you want to do that, that's okay, but you need a bug-out bag that's designed to get you from point A to point B. Right? That needs to be part of what you have here. If you want a tactical bag, too, great, go build one. You know, But the, the one that you have a more likelihood of really needing 
It's going to be the one that's designed to get you somewhere safe. So let's start out with the pack. What makes a good bag for a bug out bag? First of all, I'm a believer, and you can do what you like with this, but I'm a huge believer in using a backpack, a backpack only. Uh, there's just so much advantage to having both of your hands free at any one time. It's a hell of a lot easier to carry than, let's say, a duffel slung over your shoulder. Uh, it'll carry a lot more comfortably. I used to be a big believer in the frame packs because they gave you such utility of what you could attach to the frame outside of the bag to carry extra things like a bedroll or a tent or something like that. I have switched uh, since to a uh, an Everest is the brand that I purchased uh, internal frame pack. It just stores better in a vehicle. It's easier to move around. It's less bulky, and it still has the internal frame support uh, so that it carries very comfortably. And it's a pretty large pack. Maybe one day I'll actually add to the a bug out bag thread and post some pictures of my bug out bag if I ever get around to it. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's a typical camper slash backpacker's backpack. It's not tactical in nature, at least in appearance. And that's another thing that if you want to use a you know a, a digi camo uh, molly bag, can I say there's anything wrong with that? No, I just prefer that if I ever end up in a situation with societal breakdown, I'd rather look like a clueless refugee and be getting myself through danger as quickly as possible than attracting the attention of, hey, that guy looks tactical. What's he up to? Uh, be it either from overzealous law enforcement or looters or raiders or whatever. Um, and that is, unfortunately, a scenario, both of those that we may have to deal with. So you do what you want there. I prefer to look non-tactical in these situations, uh, but you do what you like with that. Uh, food. You need to have at least a three-day supply of food, and this is where I'm going to start kind of pushing on you guys that if you have a spouse that's not into this, you put a bug-out bag together for them, too. Uh, you trying to carry your own three days' worth of food and somebody else's three days' worth of food is going to make it very hard for you to have all the other stuff you really need to have. Um, if you have kids, it's probably a good idea to make them, you know, a kind of a reduced size backpack. But they can probably at least carry some food and a little bit of water and some things that will take some weight off your back, literally and figuratively, both, right? Um, but you really need to have one for the spouse because if you don't, you know, and, and you guys may not be together when something goes wrong. So I've said this before, but the easiest thing to do with a reluctant spouse when it comes to a bug out bag is you put one together for you, put one together that looks as much like it as possible for her or him if you have a reluctant husband and they're out there. Believe it or not, folks, I hear from women all the time. They're out there. Um, say, you know, honey, I want to put this in the other vehicle, and uh, you keep it with you. And if you don't think we need it, that's fine. Humor me. So that, that's my little uh, public service announcement there. Uh, in addition to the food, uh, let's make sure that what we're putting in there for food makes sense. One of the things you want to do is make sure that the food that you're carrying is either low preparation food or no preparation food, things that are easy to eat. Uh, you can carry things like Mountain House meals or energy bars or the uh, ration bars that uh, Emergency Essentials sells, anything you want to like that. Uh, or you can carry what we used to call in the Army pogey bait, which would mean anything that's not, you know, like a, a ration type of uh, or a, a issue type, uh, like MRE in the military, or I guess anything outside of uh, your freeze-dried meals would be pogey bait in the civilian world. Uh, but anything that's going to store well and not go bad on you, and including if you have kids, a little bit of candy or something like that's probably a good idea. The thing you got to think about with any food that you put into a bug-out bag is not just will it go bad without refrigeration. It's beyond that. It's also will, if I leave it in my hot car, will it melt and turn into goo? So think about 
opt out if you're using any kind of candy. Anything that will melt, you probably don't want. All right, because the last thing you need to do is be relying on something and it, it's goo. So a lot of like the uh, chewy granola bars, from experience I can tell you, I left a box of those in the car on an August day. They, they don't handle it really well. But the hard ones, they do. They stand up to it better. So just think about that as you're doing it. Um, the next thing you need to make sure is you have water. And carrying a real three-day supply of water for, for even one person is kind of tough. I really recommend you look into like the hydration bladders that allow you to carry two to three liters of water. I actually have a Camelback mule that I can attach to the outside of my pack. It gives me extra cargo space. I'm comfortable, though, carrying a 50 to 70, 80 or, or more pound pack. So you may have to take a different approach. Just find a backpack that's very compatible and buy a separate bladder or buy a bag that comes with a bladder. Uh, but it'll make carrying water a lot easier for you. Uh, water is one of the you know most important things. In fact, it's probably the most important thing for survival. Uh, so you do want to make sure you carry as much water as you can without weighing yourself down to the point where it's not possible. Probably a reason you want to throw a nice uh, uh, extra amount of water into uh, the trunk of your car as well, uh, just so that you have extra water. And obviously you can carry a hell of a lot more in your car trunk than you can on your back. Uh, but it's something really to think about because hopefully you'll be able to keep your vehicle with you. Um, the next thing I think that really needs to go into your pack, or at least be in your vehicles with your pack, is your SOP. And SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedures. And uh, I think to me, SOP for a bug out pack and for a family and for a civilian includes a lot more than just your SOP. It is your documentation. It is every person that you might need to contact in an emergency and how you can get a hold of them. It is what everybody is supposed to do and where everybody is supposed to go. It's maps printed out from Google Maps with multiple routes out of the city. How you're going to get out if Route A, the way you usually would leave, is not available. It is if you're going to go to a bug out location, um, rally points along the way to it where you can meet up. If you like, you're at work and she's at work and kids are in school and one of you picks the kids up and you guys have to both get out without going home. It's it's a terrible situation if that happens, but it can. So you plan for the worst and you hope for the best. But that level of documentation, am I going to go into it deeply because I can do a whole show on it? I probably should do another show on documentation. But you need to have everything written down, printed out, and with your materials. And you need to keep mirror copies of this. You should have a copy in your home, in every vehicle, in every bug out bag. That's at least five printed copies of this stuff. Uh, somebody suggested you put version numbers on it. Probably not a bad idea. Date printed in you know, V3, V15, whatever. It's probably a good idea so that if uh, you're on the phone with your spouse and you've kind of screwed up and not made a replacement and she's not seeing something you're telling her about, you can say, well, what V are you on? And uh, that'll at least let you know where your source of, uh, of conflict is. Uh, so that's uh, that kind of wraps up the food and water part, and that's kind of the most important stuff. I do want to reiterate, your spouse needs one, your kids need one, and I even think that maybe it makes sense to put together a little bug out bag for the dogs, right? I mean, they need some food, some kibble, or what have you, and some of their own water, and uh, we actually have a backpack for our Black Lab Blackie, 
and uh, I guess it could be his bug out bag. Maybe I should put one together. That'd be a cool little fun project. The reason we bought it for him, though, folks, it's just a little side note here. Uh, Blackie is a, is like a bull on a leash. I mean, the, the dog just won't learn to heal. He'll heal for me. He has no respect for the kid. He has no respect for the wife. You put him on a leash and he pulls like crazy. We watched his show, The Dog Whisperer. So Caesar puts this backpack with some weight on it on the dog and gave the dog a sense of a job, something to do, and it calmed him right down. So we tried it with Blackie, and son of a gun, it worked. Uh, I just put a couple water bottles in it to give him some weight and make him feel like he was doing something, and uh, he was a different dog. So a uh, little side note, maybe it'll help you train your uh, your animals. So let's move on to kind of a next category of how I break things down for a bug out bag with uh, clothing and shelter uh, is our next category. I think what you absolutely have to have in your bug out bag, and I think this gets overlooked by a lot of people, especially new people, is at least one complete change of clothing. And you need to have, by saying complete set of clothing to me means you have pants and shorts. You have, you know, your skivvies, your underwear. You have a long sleeve and a short sleeve shirt. You know, both. So that way, if it's really cold, you can dress in layers. If it's really hot, you can go down to shorts. And if it's mid-range, you can just, uh, you know, use your long sleeve and long pants. Extra clothing, absolutely vital that you have an extra set of clothing because... In a bad situation, you don't know how you're going to be, uh, how long you're going to be on your own, so to speak, and being able to change your clothes, especially if they get wet and you're in a situation where you're at risk of hypothermia, uh, is a real risk. So you need to have an extra set of clothing, at least one. And for most people to be able to get everything into a bag and, and be able to make it 72 hours, two is probably not the best option. And women that want to pack hair dryers and stuff, it doesn't go in a bug out bag. I'm sorry, neither does your makeup kit. I'm sorry. Um, and actually, that's Somebody asked me about that. No, you don't need to worry about your makeup if you're using a 72-hour kit. Um, The next thing, though, is with your clothing. I know I said one day extra clothes, but have at least two pairs of socks. Keeping your feet dry and clean in a in a, in a you know a disaster situation may be one of the most important things you can do to keep yourself healthy and happy. Uh, on that note, you probably want to carry some wet weather gear. They're starting to come out with some really cool stuff. I see this stuff at Academy. It's very white, lightweight, looks like canvas, folds up really small. Uh, I guess it's coated in silicon. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, that weather gear, I can't remember who makes it. I think Remington has a brand of it, and there's, there's several other companies that make it. But I'm going to give that stuff a go. I think uh, that that might work out really well. It, it seems kind of pricey, but if it works and it's that lightweight, it's probably worth it. You do not want to be wet when you don't have to be. Uh, it's a great way to be miserable. It's a way, great way to get hypothermia. It's a great way to increase your odds of becoming ill. None of which are good when you're in a survival situation. I do not like ponchos, folks. I know a lot of people take the little ponchos. And they Okay, a poncho is good for maybe you know waterproofing a lean-to or something. Uh, but if you've ever worn a poncho, actually worn one, and walked in the rain, what you end up doing is from the knees down, you completely drench yourself because the poncho acts like your roof and it drains every drop of water that hits your body to its bottom and absolutely soaks your feet and your socks, which is the worst place that you can be to get wet. I used to hate it when they used to make us wear the uh, the raincoats that they had in the uh, in the military, the long black raincoats uh, to march when we were in school because if it was raining, because yeah, I, I was dry up on my upper body, but my feet were wet and cold, and I think they wanted that to make a point. Uh, but just there's my 
you know, suggestion on wet weather gear. Something that will come down to your feet, uh, like a wet weather, like pants or something, is probably a better bet than a uh, a poncho. If you want a poncho too, fine. They're, they take up a little, little bit of space. They have a lot of uses. They're good. But I would look at getting yourself some good wet weather gear. Um, on that note, also carrying a small tarp for shelter is probably a good idea. I really recommend you go a step further than a tarp and get yourself a small dome tent. Uh, they're pretty easy to lash to the outside of a, uh, a bug out bag. It does not, you know, don't try to be carrying, you know, the family camping tent that's made for four, uh, two man tent, or even one of the little one man cocoon tents if everybody has their own. You just don't know where you're going to be. And you, I know it seems a long way from suburbia to tent city, but it can happen to any anybody. And even if you have some place to go, there may be some need to stop on the way there. You may not be able to drive straight through, uh, what have you, and you may have to just spend a night somewhere. And it's a lot more comfortable with a sleeping bag and a tent than the backseat of a car is usually, or sleeping on the ground with a tarp strung between two trees. Uh, especially with kids, it's a lot more sense of security for them. So, you know, a tent on every bug out bag, not a bad idea. Obviously, the kids, if they're small kids, can't carry that extra weight. But you and your spouse probably can. Um, there is ultralight gear, too, if you uh, if you have a problem with weight. It costs more, but it's probably worth it if you're going to be without it otherwise. Um, I also recommend maybe you carry a small hammock. That way, if you don't have time to set up a tent, you don't have to. At least you get yourself off the ground. Uh, keep the creepy crawlies away. Uh, and a, a, a small hammock, and I'm talking the ones that fold up can be held in one hand. Usually, they're... Uh, usable as a net uh, either for trapping game or for uh, using as a cargo net for carrying additional things or, or what have you. So they have multiple uses. Great idea. Um, you need to have a uh, some way to make fire, some way to make flame. And I carry multiple ways to make flame. And what I mean by this, I have waterproof matches in a waterproof matchbox. I have a magnesium fire starter, and I have several little Bic lighters in a waterproof box. And all of that's in one little little waterproof box. And then I have a magnesium fire starter that I carry on my keychain. And uh, I'm looking at probably getting one of these little solar uh, solar lighters that our new sponsor offers. They're, they're pretty cool. I'll put a link to those in the show notes today. Uh, they're like 13 bucks. They're a little polybar, pol- parabolic mirror. You put your fuel in front of it and you just hold it to the sun and it starts a fire for you. There is no substitute in a bad situation to make you feel better than a fire. Um, here's another little suggestion I have for you. There's two things you can do this with. And one's, you know, a little bit better and costs a little bit more money. And the other one you probably can just pick up somewhere. But it's a good idea to have a little bundle of kindling you can use for starting a fire. Now, a great source of this is something called fat lighter or rich lighter, depending on what part of the country you're from. But it's highly sapped pine uh, from stumps. And you can usually buy it in a store, and you'll see it called fire starter or what have you. But it's natural wood, very heavily resined with pine resin, and you can light it with a match. And it'll burn. It'll burn very hot. A little bundle of that, a couple little pieces of it broke off, uh, will be great for starting a fire uh, without having to worry so much can you find little you know airy kindling or things like that the other thing and this is you know i don't understand how people overlook how well this stuff burns you know that white lumber that they frame our houses with two by fours you can buy an eight foot two by four uh white wood at a home depot for like two bucks 
I think they're like a dollar eighty-eight now or something like that. You cut a six-inch piece of that and then take your hatchet and split it up in a small, a small little bundle of kindling. That will also light with a match and it will get a fire going very, very quickly. And uh, you could, I mean, even if you, it seems ridiculous that you would buy a two by four and slice it up and turn it into kindling. Uh, but if you compare how much kindling you'd get out of one piece of eight-foot whiteboard for like starting fires routinely in fire pits in your fireplace or what have you, compared to one box of rich lighter pine, it's a lot less expensive. So just thought I'd throw that in there. And uh, we've been playing around with it, and we found it to be really good stuff when it comes to starting a fire. Ain't good for firewood. Burns too fast, burns too hot. Um, another thing, though, is having a way to, to be able to see in the dark, right? Just basic lighting. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the flashlights and the lanterns that run on LED that do not require batteries, that you can charge either by cranking or shaking or things like that way. That way you will always have lights. Uh, I picked up a, uh, a lantern. I think it's Great North or Great Woods or whatever. There's a review I did on the forum of it uh, that you hand crank. It's kind of large for a bug out bag. I still think it's a cool tool, though. And... Um, it also has a radio built into it, and it doesn't even take batteries, and it's a good long life out of, uh, you know, 30 seconds of crank. So even if you carry a flashlight-driven, ba- a battery-driven flashlight, I really recommend that you also carry at least at least one source of lighting uh, that is rechargeable through, you know, mechanical action, shaking or cranking. Do not buy the cheapest stuff you can find. I found this one real cool little-looking light. Uh, it was part of a set. It was small enough to go on a keychain. had a little crank on it. Uh, the second time I cranked it, the handle broke off. So don't go cheap with that stuff. It may be your only source of light in a dark world. Uh, next thing, make sure that you carry some small signal flares. Uh, people often think about tactical situations trying to avoid detection. You may be in a situation where you want to be rescued. And you can get these little small signal flares in just about any place that sells like army surplus or sporting goods or things like that. I'm not talking about the big ones for a car. I'm talking about the little ones that shoot off and uh, ID your location. And they can also be used to start a fire uh, if need be in a situation where uh, it's very wet and you're having a hard time getting a fire going. I think you also need to carry some candles in spite of having your flashlights or whatever. Candles are something, though, you want to make sure they're like in a Ziploc bag or something like that. They can and will melt on you if it gets too hot. They may be one of the things that you want to put kind of high up in your bag and on a hot day you want to pull them out uh, and, and you know take them inside or what have you and uh, have them take back and put in with you if you need when you when you leave. Uh, that may be a really good idea because I have had candles completely melt to oblivion. You definitely need a good knife. You, I mean, absolutely need to have a good knife. And to me, a good knife is not one of these hollow-handled survival knives. They think they're absolute crap. They're junk. They break. Uh, a good knife has a tang, which is attached to the blade, which is the, the, the piece of the blade you don't see in the handle that goes all the way to the end of the handle. And if it doesn't have that, it's junk. Uh, I also tend to prefer a carbon steel blade to a stainless steel blade for a variety of reasons. But if you buy a knife with a good stainless steel blade, a good quality knife, and you like it, I have no issues with that. I would look for a little bit of size in your knife. Personally, I carry a K-Bar. If it's good enough for the U.S. Marine Corps, it's good enough for me. Uh, it's 
absolutely my favorite overall knife for utility, durability, and value, but I have no qualms with anybody else's choice of knives. Just make sure it's something that can handle you know, multiple tasks. Even with a knife, I recommend you carry a hatchet or an axe of some kind. I just picked up a cool little Gerber uh, hatchet. It's a very small little hatchet. I didn't think it would work very well, but I figured I'd give it a go um, just because of its compact nature, and it actually works surprisingly well for feeling a little bit out of balance to how short the handle is. And that uh, hatchet actually has a knife that magnetically stays up inside the handle, which I thought would fall out when it was used. It didn't. It works pretty well. I'll have to do a review on it, but I think it was about 30 bucks, and it's a great way to add some utility, but definitely have a hatchet or an axe. Um, if you read some of the, the writings of the old pioneers from exploring uh, the exploring days, they'll tell you that there was no more valuable tool to have with them in the backwoods than an hatchet, uh, a hatchet or an axe. In fact, most of them would have carried something kind of in between what we think of, they would have called it a woods axe. Something you really need to look at having in your bug out bag. Uh, with that, you also probably want to have a multi-tool, you know, like uh, you know, a Leatherman or something like that. A lot of utility there for not a lot of space. Something I carry on my person versus in my bug out bag, I probably should get extra ones and put them in the bag. You never know where you're going to be, how you're going to leave something behind. I'm forgetful. So it's probably a good idea to have them uh, mirrored, so to speak. Uh, and there's just so many times where you need a pair of pliers, you need a screwdriver, you need a, an extra knife blade or a file or something. Uh, you just need to kind of do a quick on-the-spot repair of something or fix something. Uh, I can't overemphasize how valuable multi-tools are for that. And don't buy the, the $7.99 cheap one at Walmart. You know, please make it. This is the tool that you'll, if you buy a good one, you'll carry it for your, the rest of your life. You know, buy a good, you know, a Gerber brand or a Leatherman brand or something like that. Don't buy a cheap multi-tool with plastic handles. Just don't do it. Um, you also might want to consider, this is not a, a have-to, but it's something that's nice to have is a, sh- a shovel or an e-tool. Uh, things like getting a vehicle stuck. When you have a, sh- a little shovel, it's a, it's a great idea. Now, the thing is, that might be something you opt to put in the vehicle. And depending on the situation, you may or may not throw it on the outside of your bag when you leave. They add a lot of weight uh, for a utility you may or may not need. But when you need a shovel, nothing else does the job. So just think about that. I actually found some pretty cool little miniature garden shovels. They look like a great big spade, but they're only about a foot long. And even though they don't fold up, they're a lot lighter than an e-tool, and they have just about as much utility. I wouldn't call it, you know, e-tool, if you're in a tactical situation, can actually be a pretty damn good weapon. They train you in the military how to use it that way. Uh, I don't think these would make that great a weapon, but for digging a hole, they'll do the job. Uh, I also think you should carry an emergency radio of some sort. We have a a nice little flat emergency radio. It has a hand crank. It uses batteries, or it's rechargeable uh, by human action. It does AM, FM, and shortwave 1 and 2. And it has a light on it. Uh, those are about 40 bucks. I would say you should have at least one of those in your family. Maybe you don't have one in every bug out bag. They're kind of expensive. But I really recommend you have at least one of them. You have it in a place where it's easily accessible. Uh, because if you're in a bad situation, you want contact with the outside world. I think people see survivalists as isolationists. Isolationists. Guys, I'm having trouble with my words today. Sorry. Um, isolationists. But, but in many situations, you need to know what's going on. 
and in a lot of situations, television may not be available. Uh, the radio waves will be the way that we'll find out what's going on. So those are a great little piece of utility tool to have. If I had my way, I would go ahead and put one in all your bug out bags, at least in the adults' bug out bags and the older children's bug out bags. But again, if you if economically you can't afford to do it, I still recommend investing in at least one for the family. Even when you're home with the power out, having a radio you can turn on and find out what the hell's going on, especially during storm season, is a good idea. I also suggest you keep some writing material in your bug out bag, uh, a journal of something to make notes. You're in a stressful situation. It's easy to overlook things, forget things, to write down landmarks. If you have to leave your vehicle to tear out a piece of paper and write a note for a rescuer, hey, we've left and we've gone this way. This is our intent. Um, you know, again, don't always think that you're going to be in a situation where you're trying to avoid people. Often you're going to want to be found. You're going to hope to be found. And uh, being able to leave notes behind and, like, you know, maybe even leave a trail for rescuers uh, if you keep moving. Uh, always letting people know, hey, we've, we've decided we can't wait here any longer. We're going west, and this is our intent. Uh, very important. Often overlooked. Rope. you got to have some rope. And paracord is probably the best for how much length and how much strength you can carry for the least amount of space in your bag. At least 50 feet. I recommend a minimum of 100, but at least 50 feet of paracord. Uh, I actually carry 200 feet of paracord in my bug out bag. Um, I also recommend you carry a GPS, even if you just get a little one of these $80 cheapo ones. I know a lot of people are big on, well, if, the, you know, if we have a solar storm or something, they're not going to work. They may not work, but if they do work, they're absolutely freaking invaluable for navigation, especially for people that aren't real comfortable with navigation. They'll, they'll help get you out of a situation uh, or get you to a place uh, maybe by uh, not taking the road, so to speak, because a lot of times the closest distance between A and B is not the road, and sometimes it's not the safest way to get between A and B. So I really recommend a GPS. That's, again, one of those things you might not have in all the family's kits, but at least one of them for the family is probably a good idea. I do recommend you carry a car compass and all your kits, uh, and maps. Now, maps are part of your SOP if I went deeply into that, but I figured I'd go ahead and throw it in here. Make sure you have maps of the area. Um, having you know a map of the United States with major highways on it is probably not a bad idea either. Definitely print out evacuation maps from Google Maps. Um, easy, simple, free. Cost you the printer ink. Absolutely worth doing. Absolutely imperative that you be able to get places. And again, a compass in addition to that GPS, between between the two of them, one of them should be working. Now, we could end up in a total disaster like an EMP burst or something. throws the magnetic frequencies off, too. Your compass doesn't work. There's ways to uh, to do navigation by the sun. Maybe we'll do a show on that someday. Ron Hood's got some free videos on YouTube about that. Probably something you might want to check out. Uh, but 99% of the time, between those two, you're going to be able to get where you're going. That kind of wraps up the shelter, you know, shelter clothing aspect of things. All right, so um, let's move on then to, like, you know, the, the personal items, medical items, things like that. Uh, first of all, you need to have a decent first aid kit. 
And I'm not a huge fan of the prepackaged ones, but they're often a good starting point. You buy a good, you know, compact first aid kit, and then you add to it as you see fit to make it useful. You know, and I've seen like people that carry like little mini field surgery kits and things like that. Can't fault you for it, but unless you're a doctor or, or at least highly trained medically, you're probably not going to be able to perform field surgery. So I don't know that you really need that level. I talked to a doctor that spent some time in the Peace Corps, and he said the only thing he ever really used while he was you know, overseas since there was no place he really could do surgery was oral antibiotics and that, that solved most of the problems so it's not real easy to get your hands on antibiotics but it may be something you want to look into trying to figure out if you can keep some antibiotics in your first aid kit. Definitely any prescription medications that you're on as a maintenance medication you want to make sure that you have as part of your first aid kit or somewhere in your bug out bag. I know it's a 72 hour kit. Carry two weeks of your prescription meds if you're on regular prescription meds at least two weeks in your bug out bag and have additional supplies of it in your home. Uh, I know some people are on medication you can't really keep in an unclimate controlled area like diabetics. Diabetics, you need to think about this situation very seriously and have the ability with like a small cooler to carry as much insulin as you possibly can until you get to a place where you can acquire more. It's a, it's a tough call, that one. I, I don't know how to really you know tell you what to do over a six-month period. I'm not a diabetic. I don't have experience with it, but all I'm saying is when any of you have any kind of... Uh, maintenance medication, make sure you have as much of it as you can keep on hand uh, within reason. I also think you really need to make sure that you carry basic personal items. These are things that are highly overlooked. You know, what I'm talking here is the, is the basic stuff, people. Soap, toilet paper, toothpaste, mouthwash, things like that. Men, you might want to carry razors, shaving kit, if that's important to you. Uh, ladies, too, you might want to carry shaving uh, equipment, if that's important to you. It has, shaving equipment has multiple uses as well. Uh, it can be taken apart. The blades can be used. So it's really a good idea. Toilet paper is a huge one, though. Toilet paper is the most underappreciated asset in the world until you need some and don't have it. So I'll leave it at that. We don't need to get graphic with it, but toilet paper can take up almost no space. You uh, pull the tube out of the middle, you put it in a Ziploc bag, and you smash it flat. An entire roll uh, takes up less than the space of your hand. And uh, you'll be grateful if you have it. And it can be used for a lot of things. We would always carry some when we went hunting because, you know, you never know when you're going to need it. But when we go archery hunting, if you shoot a deer with the bow, and you didn't see where it went down and you had to track it and trail its blood, uh, sometimes you'd have to like, lose the trail and you'd have to backtrack. So what we do is just drop little clumps of uh, toilet tissue, which breaks down, doesn't hurt the environment or anything, anywhere we found blood. So it was easy to backtrack to where that was. So there's a lot of utility to toilet paper behind what it's designed for. I also think you should carry hand sanitizer. A lot of times in a disaster, it is not the disaster that kills people the most. It is infection and disease. Uh, hand sanitizer you can use it quickly. You don't have to have water to use it. You don't have to waste your water supply to use it. Uh, it'll keep, you know, nastiness out of your mouth, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your throat, which is how most of them get in and make you sick. So a little thing of hand sanitizer, easy, cheap, make sure you do it. Um, I also think it makes a lot of sense in that first aid kit to carry some over-the-counter medications, Advil, Tylenol, maybe two or three different anti-inflammatories, uh, little tiny uh, bottle of each, uh, just because if you're sore, you're miserable, and if you can take that away, why not when you're in a stressful situation? Uh, one of the things that I've started carrying that I never really thought about until one day I was just driving home, and my lips had gotten really chapped with the dry winters here in the, in the heart.
hard wind and everything. It's a trip we had recently taken up north. And my lips were just all of a sudden burning. And I stopped on the way home and got a little thing of Carmex and thought, you know what? Chapped lips. Chapped lips suck. So I started carrying a little thing of Carmex. And yes, it will melt, but it won't come out of that little case. It'll stay inside there. Uh, if you ever open it when it's warm, I'll warn you right now, it's gross. So chill it before you open it if you're in a really hot situation where you probably won't need it. But Carmex or some sort of a, uh, a protection for your lips, it probably makes sense to carry a little bit of sunscreen. And it definitely makes sense to carry some insects repellent. Again, you don't know where you're going to be, and insects are not only annoying and give you a lot of grief, they're also a transmitter of disease. So, a little bottle of insect repellent, good idea to add to there. Well, let's move on to some commonly overlooked items. Um, I think a lot of people overlook carrying cash. Now, I don't keep cash in my bug out bag, but I keep cash readily accessible at all times. And I won't say any more than that because you don't want to tell people how or where you store your cash. But having a place where you can get your hands on cash quickly, no matter where you are, is important. Um, I won't say how much, but more than a couple hundred bucks. You get three days, you can burn through $300 pretty easily on an individual. So you make your own decisions there based on how much you have available and whatnot, but make sure that you have some cash. Uh, a credit card or a debit card, and, and I don't use credit cards anymore, so now it would be a debit card. Uh, definitely something to keep in your 72-hour kit as a, a second one in case you lose a wallet or what have you, uh, along with that documentation, copies of your documentation on your personal identity and things like that. you got to be careful with that stuff. I don't like to keep any of that actually in a bug-out bag. Again, this is something I won't say exactly how I store it, but I keep it in a very secure, secondary, but easy-to-reach location where it could be put on my person very quickly if I had to evac. Um, once you're you know, using your bug-out bag, there's no reason not to put it in there then because you're carrying it with you and you're going to be defending it, right? So that makes sense at that point. I just don't like it in there other at other times. Um, things like your account information as well so that you can get access to your funds when you're in a remote location. Uh, what I mean by remote is not out in the sticks. I mean like you're in another city or another town because uh, maybe you're in a regional disaster and you've moved to a point of safety and you can get access to your funds there, but you need your information with you to do that. So, uh, another thing I think is a good idea is throw a phone card in your bug out bag. Just a you know prepaid phone card. Make sure it's not one that expires. And uh, you can actually get phone cards that only charge you when you use them. They usually cost a little more per minute, but hey, you're not going to use it unless you need it, right? Uh, AccuLink is a good company. I'll put a link to them in the show notes to get a, uh, a bill credit card. I, I think they have a service fee of a dollar a month or something, uh, but it's a great extra thing to have available because uh, you don't know where you're going to end up and cell phones may not be working and you may be able to get to a phone, but it may not be a phone that will let you make calls without a, a phone card, so it's a good idea to have with you. You might want to consider having kind of a backup cell phone there, like one of the uh, prepaid phones. Again, it's something you have to look at the contract. I would have said the contract because they don't come with a contract, but the fine print. Uh, it does do the minutes expire. Uh, but having an extra cell phone on a different network than your primary cell phone is a good idea. I've also had people write in and tell me a lot. I know this is true myself. A lot of times when your cell phone won't work, it'll still allow you to text. 
or the text will sit in there, and as soon as it becomes available, it will get sent. So that's a good thing to know uh, about your cell phone while we're on that subject. I also think you need to have a small toolkit, and what I'm talking here is like a little ratchet set, a pliers, um, maybe a file. Definitely like one of the Buck Brothers, I think is the brand that I own, that I got from Home Depot or Lowe's. Screwdriver that has Phillips and flat tip flips around. Two different sizes, one screwdriver, two different sizes of both drivers. Um, great idea. A little toolkit uh, can be a lifesaver in a lot of situations, either just from a convenience standpoint or literally. Uh, it's something that I don't see a lot of people carry, and that may be something, again, one per family versus one in every kit. It's up to you. It's something that I definitely carry. Um, on self-defense, I think it makes a lot of sense to throw a can of pepper spray uh, or a stun gun into your uh, your bug out bag. And uh, I make, think it makes sense to carry one of those, even if you're a concealed carry holder, and even if you carry a weapon, to have a less than lethal option. Also, you might be in a situation where you don't have a choice. Somebody seizes your guns. It happened in uh, it happened in New Orleans. And I know people like to say, well, I wouldn't let them take it, but if your life's on the line, are you going to have a fight with the police because they're doing a job they're being forced to do? Uh, probably not, especially if it's up to you to take care of your wife and your kids. So having that less than lethal option, at least it wouldn't be seized, and you could be in a situation where you would prefer it to a lethal option. On the subject of guns, I do not keep my gun in my bug out bag, just like my cash. If it, I don't want, if my bug out bag is stolen, I don't want a criminal to also have my gun. So if my gun is not on my person, I also secure it. Uh, I will say that I do, uh, after having a, the Center of Mass sponsor our contest back around Christmas time, I have one of the biometric safes from them. Um, Absolutely fabulous tool to secure a handgun in your vehicle and uh, at least put an additional level of protection uh, on that weapon. And then to conceal it additionally, uh, people that hit cars usually try to hit fast and go. I will carry ammo in my bug out bag. And if I'm on the move with my bug out bag, I would have no qualms putting my weapon into my bug out bag if it made sense. All I'm saying is when my car sitting in a parking lot and my bug out bag is in the trunk, I don't put a gun in there. And I think that makes sense. You have to do what you want to do. You obviously have to follow the law as well. But I'm just giving you my advice on that one. Another thing that's overlooked a lot is aluminum foil. Very, very utilitarian thing. Can be used to make reflectors, make little cups to cook food in. You know, what does it take to take, uh, you know, about five feet long piece of aluminum foil, foil, fold it up into a square, and put it into your pack? It doesn't take much space, a lot of utility. Um, I also think one of the things maybe you should really consider, I've talked about this before, is at least get a good, proper fuel storage can, two and a half gallons, and keep some extra fuel in your vehicle. And I've heard people say, well, what, you know, what about the risk of fire? What about the 20 gallons sitting under your butt right now in the fuel tank? So you got to have a good, you know, every once in a while, open it up, vent it, uh, take it out and vent it. You want to strap it down. Uh, never fill it to capacity. If you get a two-and-a-half-gallon one, put two gallons in it. If you get a five-gallon one, put four-and-a-half gallons in it. Leave a little extra headroom. Uh, that'll help with, with ventilation. When it gets hot, you might take it out uh, of your vehicle in the middle of the day and vent it uh, outside of your vehicle, obviously. But I really think that the risk of being stranded without fuel is greater than the risk of carrying fuel. People carry fuel all the time. How do you get fuel for your your uh, lawnmower? Do, do you have it delivered or do you go pick it up and carry it in a fuel can? Uh, I like to try to carry, if possible, enough fuel to cover 100 miles. Basically, 
based on what your vehicle's mileage is. So if you have 20 miles uh, uh, per per gallon from like a truck, uh, you might need to carry five gallons of fuel. With my little car, I can carry two gallons, and that gives me about a 90-mile range with just two gallons of diesel fuel. But it's up to you if you want to do that or not. I just thought I'd throw that in at the end. And then one of the most utilitarian things I've ever discovered in my life, and I use this thing, uh, I would use it in emergencies, but I use it for fishing. I use it for finding things in a dark closet. Are the little clip-on LED lights, uh, the clip-on of the bill of a hat, and uh, allow hands-free operation and provide illumination and lighting. Those daggone things seem to last forever. I've had one for two years. I even left it on overnight one time by accident. I still haven't had to replace the batteries in it. Uh, Cat Eyes, I think, is the brand of the one that I bought. It's got uh, it's kind of real flat and long, and it's got three little lights on it. They come in like a white light, and they come in different colors as well, uh, if you prefer like red for, uh, for low light conditions or what have you. Uh, but those are just absolutely phenomenal. And as I wrap up here, I want to point something out. One, I absolutely guarantee you there are things that you carry that I don't, and you're probably right to carry them. I absolutely guarantee you there's things that I carry that I didn't talk about today, that I didn't mention, because how much stuff can you cover in a 40 to 50 minute show? That's going to be a long one. And I have also did 99% of this out of my head. I made a quick little list, uh, jotted it down, and, and then just started running with it as I did the show today. So I'm sure I overlooked things that I carry myself. So instead of saying, hey, but you didn't do this, and your, your feedback's welcome. Please, in today's show, underneath the uh, show notes, there'll be a place for your comments. Please suggest the things that you think people should carry as well. Uh, so let's be collaborative with this. Uh, it's really important that we understand that nobody has all the answers. I don't have all the answers, and I don't claim to have all the answers. What I gave you today, though, if you carry that stuff... You'll get through 90% or more of the disasters that could come your way. You'll get through them a lot more comfortably. You'll get through them with a lot better uh, uh, better results. And you'll have a plan and you'll know what to do. By putting it together, you'll start thinking to yourself, what should we do? I just thought of one thing I overlooked, and I think I overlooked this on the first show, so I'm glad I remembered it. A small stove of some sort, be it one that uses steno, be it a little uh, butane alcohol stove. I carry a you know, butane alcohol little mini stove that's and it can boil water very easily and a little can of fuel for it. Um, it's up to you, but I think that makes sense as well. So I'll throw that one in there at the end. I can't believe I almost forgot that in the second show I did on Bug, about, uh, bug Out Bags. Boy, what is wrong with Jack today, folks? I don't know. But on that, I think I'll wrap it up. And I, I just want to point out that a Bug Out Bag is a very simple step uh, that you can take to ensure the well-being of your family. And you'll start to feel a lot more prepared. And all of a sudden, a lot of the other things will start to fall in place for you. You'll start to see see, well, you, you know, just by putting it together, you'll think, well, this is what we would do if, and then you'll think, but what if this, what if that, you'll start running the scenarios in your head, and when you do that, you'll start to lead yourself to your own plan, and as I always say, I can't give you your plan, you have to come up with your own plan, so you will buy into it, believe in it, and follow it, if I give you my plan, you won't do that, it won't work for you. You have to write your own plan. So you kind of have to put your own bug out bag together. So take the foundation I've given to you today. Think about your own individual situations, what you're comfortable with, what you're not, and start putting together that bug out bag. It's uh, it's absolutely imperative, though, to me, that you have the ability to provide for everybody for three days. 
Uh, if you can do that, again, 90% of what goes wrong you'll be able to deal with without much trouble. So I think at this point I'll sign off. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Survival Podcast. This has been Jack Spierko helping you figure out how to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent.